You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. So welcome indeed. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and this is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast today featuring Tony Law. It's Tony's second appearance on the show. Uh, He made quite an infamous appearance a couple of years ago uh, in which he was in a state of advanced refreshment. And we will be talking about that uh, now that he is no longer refreshing himself. Uh, Tony is going to go into some more detail about that and we'll talk about uh, the the way he's refined his work and his life since then. Uh, We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Um, I I don't know whether to recommend you listen to that first episode first because I I, I feel like I should as a broadcaster because I think it was really fascinating and it it isn't as bad as Tony thinks, as, as he explains, he hasn't heard it. Um, but he was certainly a bit all over the place and people have, uh, listeners have had very contrasting opinions on that episode. So part of me thinks you should, uh, you should have a listen to it if you haven't already, but also out of respect for Tony, if he'd rather to kind of close that chapter, then maybe just start from here. So uh, listen to this one, see what you think and then uh, make your own decision. But this is the fabulous Tony Law. <laughs> There were good bits. And when we saw... I've listened back to it just now. I wasn't going to because I know that you haven't heard it. But I sort of thought lots of lots of the listeners of this show have heard it. Yeah. And there were definite good bits. And I will ask you... I wasn't sure how much... How serious you were being. Okay, and there was sure. some quite fun friction. I don't know how much you remember of doing it even. Not at There was all. a bit where you called me a prick, but it was... Really? In, yeah, it was kind of wow. in quite a friendly way. I was sort of... I must have been joking. Um... I think you were. Oh, I God. think you were. I think it made some of my listeners a tiny bit angry. <laughs> really? Yeah, but I oh, think fair you were. enough. I think you were. Because, of course, oh. like you and me, we don't have huge amounts of history, but we've gigged together. Yeah, we've yeah, yeah. Like a we've of always road been trips friendly. Stuff like that. Oh, I can't. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I d- see, there's why I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, oh, it was nice. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I called you on something. You were talking about not liking observational comics, and I accused you of being an observational comic by oh, yeah. stealth. And you I sure what? am. That's absolutely true. I am. Um, yeah, I was talk. I was, would talk a lot of shit. Usually, just to get some sort of a reaction and stuff like that. I think, but um, yeah, of course I am. I'm on. Uh, 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 yeah, but if I did say prick, it would you be in that sort of drunky banter way? Yeah, you prick. Was yeah, it, like it was that? a bit more like that. Yeah, but still, like no that. need for it. Well, <laughs> I called my son a prick once. 
Oh, how old is your son? <laughs> Seven. Oh, yeah, but um, with a smile. So, <laughs> so listen. Before we get it. before we get into the nitty gritty. Oh, yeah. Um, how much are you performing at the moment? How much are you? kind of i'm aware that like when you and i and i I might not have made this explicit uh in the preamble for this show but this is you're under no like i'm not interested in you being funny for the sake of this yeah and i know that there are some comics and tom stades brings to mind (laughs) he was used as an example recently in, in an interview i did with paul curry about uh he was used as an example of like no one's really themselves on stage and off stage apart from Tom Stade. All right, yeah. I think there is a sort of a seam of we all recognise in other comics people who are kind of yeah doing their persona at all times. Right. How like when we when we yeah. talked about doing this, we saw each other at that gig in Soho yeah. House. Remember that slightly weird gig we oh, did? Oh yes, yes, upstairs. Yeah, it was, yeah. was pre Edinburgh. Everyone was yeah. shitting themselves. Yeah. There were maybe twelve people in. Yeah, it actually got quite lovely nice. time. Yeah, it was surprisingly nice. Yeah, but the level at which we spoke to each other then yeah. was a kind of really talking to each other thing, and I'm keen for us to do that. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think once I um, started when I got sober and all of that, I th- I had a I was still mentally not very strong for a long time. And it's been like a fog slowly, slowly lifting and self-esteem and confidence slowly, slowly building. So I was very good at uh, presenting a face for a long time of, you know, hey, I was a bit of a character all the time. Uh, uh, Yeah. And so so when I got sober, I think I was showing more kind of vulnerability and, uh, you know, like... uh, scrambling around hey uh not really knowing exactly how much you're supposed to share with people yeah like not really knowing how to be (laughs) so so being too sherry with the wrong people sometimes and then and then now just sort of getting a balance and then going uh oh yeah no i trust that person Uh, i'll just say this and uh ask how they're doing uh yeah and it's vocabulary though and the damage done to the short-term memory Um, I can't. uh, I lose my train of thought quite a bit. Anyways, what was the question? My character. Yeah, I pretty much. I still. It comes and goes. I'm a bit of a mixed bag. I think. Okay. I think it's. I'm quite a lot like I am on stage, all the time. Uh, I don't show this uh, sensitive, the scaredy side too much on stage. I don't think. Oh, more of it's coming out. Yeah, I think I'm... I think I'm uh, like that. (laughs) We will be able to hear throughout the rest of this interview when you're calm and when you're not, because you're wearing quite a noisy top. I'm not going to ask you to take it off, but it's the difference between you moving and going, yeah, "Yeah, I suppose this, and then you kind of stopped and went, right. (laughs) So let's try and stay in in that mode. In this mode here, yeah. But I, I, I get excited too, like when I move around when I get happy. Yeah. So, and I'm always happy if I'm having a laugh or making people laugh, like all the time. So if I, and I'm always trying to get my kids to laugh and if I can get them laughing, that feels good. And if I get my wife laughing and, and just always getting a laugh and to an annoying degree, probably I've always been trying to get a laugh. So when I'd sign DVDs after the show, I still keep going. Yeah. Still bantering, still trying to get people smiling, make people feel relaxed. It's like a 
of compulsion to make people feel relaxed. They're in a queue. Um, and no one likes being in a queue. You feel awkward. You feel So I try and just keep going, trying to make everyone feel, hey, you know, we're all, make everyone feel welcome and friends, you know? Uh, and do you recognize that that is a bit compulsive? Yeah, for sure, yeah. Always, always want to make people feel, not feel bad about anything. Very compulsive, yeah. Annoying, I suppose. Could be, I think, sometimes. Yeah, because then I... Va- What's that? Vacillate? Or, uh, yeah, I don't va- know. Shake, you know, where I, I swing the other things, way yeah. where I love driving so much because I'm just alone. Yeah. Because everything's a show. And when you're parenting, it's a show because you need to give them... I need to show them a guy who's got his shit together. Like, I got that line from listening to a Sean Locke uh, DVD... Whereas they're like, you can't do stuff at home. You need to show, they need to, they want to see that you got your shit together. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing I've started to do. As I never watched comedy for years and years and years. I don't know why. It was like, just, I couldn't bear it. Not because I wouldn't find it funny, but maybe because I never felt I was firing on 100% or I never felt I was giving the best I could be because I felt like I was always running at 20% brain capacity or, or soul capacity because I knew what I was doing to myself, even if I was hiding it from people. I, I knew, and I know. So since I've stopped, I, I'm just not scared of anything. It's been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me and my family. But I, I so I go, oh, there's, I'm in a petrol station. There's Sean Locke's DVD. I got to get that. You know, what? why wouldn't you want, and I get that, and I've, I listen to it about 20 times now. I'm going, holy shit. He manages to be very alternative. He manages to be out there, and every joke is just, really great and you just i can smell the work that's gone into each bit yeah and then that all i take from that is when i go back to my set i think i gotta work harder at that i gotta write that better you know instead of taking it all like yeah just wing it man like that i'm losing that attitude because that's a, a frightened attitude that's scared of committing because if you commit to something and put everything in it and people don't like it then you failed that so that was where that bullshit comes from so now yeah. I just think, no, I'm great. Like, I'm slowly building up this confidence where I can actually say to myself, I think you're really good. So why don't you, you know, uh, do them a favor and show them that and you're work, good. And give your audience yeah. a show that you've worked yeah. on really hard. Yeah, and I remember and- my 2012 show was a great show because I worked my arse off on it. And didn't think it was like just winging it. Now, which was 2012? Was that the award? That was a nominated the, one, The yeah. nominated one. And then the 2000. The 2010 and 11, where no one knew me, were also very good. I was sober because we were trying to get pregnant. And then we were pregnant the first couple of years of the kids. But it was a different kind of sober. It wasn't me um, having a realization and a complete change of character. It was more like white knuckling it and not for the sake of... And then it slowly came in. 2013 okay. was a good show because I still had uh, some momentum. And then all of a sudden, you know, anyway, I don't want to go into that too much because only because it's boring and I'm um, and you can't really get into the the levels of it. But I think what I was talking about, what was it? <laughs> um, yeah. So that show. But even that show, I look back now and think, nah, I could have put more into that. And so I've got this show coming up. I'm doing Leicester Square Theatre and I'm sort of scrambling around, not panic, but in an excited way going, oh, I got to make that better. I got to tie that into that. I'm get, I'm really buzzing on um, sobriety. Who knew? Like it's so after I've the last year got over the insecurity 
and the kind of terror and then really not knowing how to be because <laughs> it was i was under the influence on and off but mostly on for 30 years so it's quite a fundamental change this is something you said to me when when we spoke at that soho gig you said that you'd realized that for 30 years <laughs> you had basically been on something the entire time and you've yeah. got incredibly good at hiding it can we yeah. talk about that sure 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 yeah so when did, the, when did that start, and uh, what did it start with? Fifteen. Just thought I was having fun. So the, everyone goes, oh, there must be a reason. There must be an underlying reason. I don't, um, no, it was the thing that became the, the thing. So it was self-perpetuating. So I started just because I thought I was having fun. And, I well, I think probably down to growing up in the middle of nowhere on a farm and not having a lot of... Um, confidence in crowds or things like that low probably low self-esteem i don't know there's or probably, boredom boredom's a lot and boredom i mean sure. I, I, and also I, just thinking it was cool i remember being 15 and feeling like experimentation with drugs would give me access to yeah. a sort of different world well that's exactly it yeah and i remember uh yeah taking a shed load of mushrooms like for about three years between say 16 and 19 Nearly every weekend, take magic mushrooms. That really defined a lot of how I thought about the. F <laughs> and it was great fun the first couple of years when we were in high school and the future was bright. And but then you know no no future like no university in the horizon. And then it became sort of darker. Who's uh, we? Time. Was it the Me same? And my buddies, same crowd of people. My girlfriend at the time, and I think she's gone on to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> And my buddies uh, back in Canada. Um, but uh, it, so, so it started off as, you know, pretty, it just, it, all of it sort of slowly destroyed <laughs> myself. And then, you, and then I got really good at it. Like I had the tolerance of like unbelievable tolerance where okay. people just wouldn't have a, like it would be astounding the amount I'd get through because I had this terrifying, I didn't want to ever let people down or disappoint. So anytime you've, uh, people had ever seen me where I was letting them down sloppy or late or missing something or not being very good. Those were devastating. And then I, the only way over that would be to drink. <laughs> but so I didn't want that to happen. So it wasn't like your classic, like, um, I think the cliche kind of, Oh, he just all of a sudden got messy. It was it was a battle the whole time. And it was the effort it took. That's what I'm like. I have so much time on my hands now. The effort of conceal when you're going to drink, how, okay. where you're going to get it, how you're going to conceal it. And then and then not really ever being confident uh, because you just know this kind of secret about yourself. Yeah. So you could so, always be found out. Yeah. And uh thank god for my wife she just she tried everything she knew how to but anyway so what i'm enjoying now is just the sheer, how much easier everything is i realized that um i was using it a lot because i had stage fright and i never really ever had to get over that and over the last year i've not been i hadn't quite reached i still not quite reached a peak of feeling super confident on stage but um but I have been learning about it, and I and I definitely have had stage fright, and and it's frightened me. But I I can feel it growing, and now I, I reach these um, 
only four times in Edinburgh Run where I reached Nirvana, where I I got so relaxed, so it was as close as my humor I reveal to my loved ones or throughout my life when I've been in my funniest on stage. It was as close as I've ever got to that, and it was only about four times in the shows where people were crying with laughter, and it was like I couldn't really. It was the same material, but there was a way I was doing it. And there was a connection I was making. So that's my goal is to get to that level every single time I'm on instead of for five minutes here, 10 minutes there and the rest of it being pretty good. I want it to be like just a unbelievable feeling when people are actually losing their shit and none of us really know what's going on or why. It's that funny because the material's not that strong. It's just... It's more like just the audacity of things and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to I want to come back to that the, the audacity. Um, I remember from the Soho gig you did a lot, and I didn't I didn't I'm afraid I didn't see your show in uh, in Edinburgh this year. But I remember one of the bits you were playing with was you're talking about doing a lot of therapy, and they don't like it when you keep bringing up World War Two. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? There's, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I definitely want to get into that kind of. <laughs> yeah. Like you're you, hiding from something, Mister Law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no way, man. World War Two was awful. <laughs> That's one of the things that helps you get over stuff too, though, isn't it? So you just read an Anthony Beaver uh, Berlin, and just that, like the absolute slaughter and the terror uh, of of when the Red Army was going to Berlin. Uh, that makes you just go, well, yeah, things are all right, actually. Yeah. You know. Okay, before we before yeah. we get onto that stuff and we'll go onto the material, I just want to get a sense of if you were kind of drinking or doing drugs the whole time, like on stage as well. You were, were uh, did you yeah. ever work sober looking back and like say the first ten years um, of your career? Um, no, no, only when two thousand ten, eleven, twelve, and. Um, a little bit of 13. So the then after that, it was managing. Yeah, once the booze started, I, I did... Um, I don't want to say it because I've got kids at school. But anyway, I did some narcotics. But not because of, like, out of a party party. Mm. As a way to manage the drinking. I found a way to make myself sober up. And it was magical, but horrific, of course. And uh, then... Because uh, I, I always thought I was bulletproof. But of course you do. You tell yourself all these things. And, and particularly you who, like, to use the example of Sean Locke, uh, I can't imagine someone who does crafted one-liners yeah. over and over again could kind of get away with the sorts of yeah. abuse of your body yeah, and mind I, I had created... that someone who does your yeah. act well, that, that could get act, away with. That act was um, subconsciously created to create a way to always get my evil sauce like so everything was you know even being a comedian in the first place is a is probably some sort of way bit of a coping mechanism like just, hey you yeah. can work when you want and get driven to gigs yeah, and oh i'm just having and and to other people i'm just having a couple of pints before i go on i had an agent who said well he only has a couple Stuart lee only has a couple of pints before he goes on yeah no Stuart lee does exactly that perhaps but that's not that's what i've shown you yeah. <laughs> you haven't seen yada 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 but yeah, and then I guess my comedy persona has just been formed by that. So now that I've been uh, normal for first time since I was, I'd say when I was 17, I didn't really do mushrooms until I was, I said 16, didn't I? But I just do remember being, was well, really, really funny at school. And at 17, really funny. Not needy funny, just funny, funny and inclusive funny. I was really... 
Um, it's all been a journey to get that back. Yeah. And That's really refreshing to hear. I've, I've so yeah. many comics do I, I I've got I've got to grow a pet theory over time that right. comics are often the second funniest person in their class. Uh, no, I was number you, one. You were number one. <laughs> and my and my friends were funny as fuck. Absolutely, really funny guys, all of them. But I was funnier, and I was just driven to be funnier. Just always thinking of stuff to get laughs. Like I remember driving into town to meet meet everyone to go out to a bush party or. A football game. Just thinking of stuff about how it's going to make them laugh and getting really excited. Just it's such a, uh, and it must have been. You know, my parents. I can remember them. I have flashes of when I was little, getting them to laugh. I remember my dad one time he was going to get the belt to give me the belt on the arse, and I said, "No, dad, I'll get it." And I was like four or five. I don't know if they planted this memory because they say this story a lot. I ran upstairs and got his belt and started whipping myself. He wasn't really going to do it. He was joking. Okay. Apparently. I don't want to delve too deep. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Not until he passes on. <laughs> okay. We'll um, do Tony Law Returns yeah. again in future. And then, uh, yeah. And I, uh, and, and I went from like school. I really thrived because like I wasn't doing the work. But I was sure getting by on just charm and l getting laughs from teachers. And, and it meant as much to you. And I remember our school, like in high school, there used to be like bullies and jocks and all that in the years above us. But my gang of friends, half of them were music nerds and just cool sort of alternative guys. And then me and Darren were really good at sports, but super funny. So we were very inclusive. Our whole high school was the opposite of... Like, we were all nerds together, and that's probably where the experimentation with mushrooms came in, because it it just allowed a more sustained amount of laughing. Just like we really needed to laugh, always needed to laugh and get laughs, and my parents always used to laugh at me as a kid, so it's, it's really, like, sunk in there. Now you're a parent yourself, do you have a different perspective on on that? Yeah, I try and be very careful of what I laugh at them about. Yeah. And my daughter is very, very funny, but she only does, she doesn't do it for her self-esteem. She's doing it because she likes, she likes, she's not doing it to please just generally. Like she won't do it to strangers or she won't do it to people who are guests, but she will do it to people she loves. So she's very, she's got a very That's nice mature hit and run. That. Yeah, I recognize okay. that. And the boy, he, he, try, he, um. Yeah, he used to just try and get laughs, and now he's he's not as much. They're sort of above it. I look at them as being more mature. Uh, I quite like that. So I don't ever laugh at anything naughty. But I do laugh when they say something about Donald Trump, you know, like yeah. how horrible he is, but from a really surreal perspective. I do laugh at that because you just can't help it. I can't believe, because we leave Radio 4 on all the time. Unbelievable how much they soak up of Radio 4. Okay. And they know, like, what's going on, and they know series. Like, we don't even talk about it, because it's, you turn it down, and it's quiet in the background, you're doing your thing, and, and uh, that's surprising. I wish I could remember some right now, but in the car, just some, and audiobooks. Um, I didn't realize that, I thought they were watching, so, Mummy put a thing in the back for them to watch one of their um, videos and um, and they're watching one of their videos and I thought and I'm listening to my audiobook Richard Harris um, Dictator who's about <laughs> Cicero and all of that business yeah. and um, my daughter asking at the end of a journey like um, Daddy 
Um, Cicero's friend, he, he has the same name as Atticus, doesn't he? He's Atticus. What was his last name? Like, what? <laughs> oh, I was just charmed. I remember taking them to, you were, you were talking earlier about, like, uh, thinking that, like, I, uh, something will expand your mind. Like, growing up on a farm and, and all that, and not an academic family, you know, farmers. And, and knowing I was never going to be a farmer because I was just a failure at that. But um, I remember listening to Mozart. I got into it, and I thought, if I listen to Mozart all the time, and I got all the Mozart on cassettes, this will open up culture and i will then be motivated to go to university and i'll find funding and all it did though was meant that i now and throughout my life can recognize mozart anywhere i know all of it couldn't tell you what all of it's called but i know it <laughs> okay that's all it's done it was very self-contained okay uh so there was something i was trying to lead on to oh yeah so with the kids Exposing i was thinking kids to a culture yeah i would take them to the british museum ever since they were infants I remember them laughing at the freezes, the Assyrian freezes, and they just thought that was hilarious because they're cartoons, aren't they? Yeah. Very two-dimensional. <laughs> Obviously two-dimensional. <laughs> and um, and it, 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 for a while, I thought, oh, no, they're not soaking this up. They're not showing interest in history and all that. But the, it does come out in the things they bring back from school. So this is Tony. Really pleased that he's uh, he decided to come back on the show, and we were meaning to make that happen for some time. I hope you managed to catch him at Leicester Square Theatre. And if you haven't seen him before, this, Tony is one of those ones for whom you can't just go, "Oh, he's a comedian." Like with a lot of with a lot of uh, acts that come on this show, even if you don't know their work, you can go, "Okay, they sound like that kind of act." If you haven't seen Tony live or uh, or in recorded media before, if you haven't seen the sorts of things that he's capable of, the sorts of risks that he takes, the kind of rhythm that he employs, the kind of uh, approach, his whole approach to comedy is just so outside of the sphere of what you would normally see in a stand-up club. You absolutely have to see it. Now, two really important things, and then we'll bash on with the second half of the Tony Law interview. Uh, one is that Redacted is happening. Uh, you know about Redacted. It's uh, the experimental late show time of 10.30pm. It's a, a comcom style chat show that uh, I am hosting. It's at the New Angel Comedy Club, which I believe is now, uh, the name of that pub has been changed to The Bill Murray, which is rather sweet. It's at 39 Queenshead Street, London, N18NQ. I'm not advertising it anywhere. It's just for you and for the Facebook group, um, and I think we're going to try doing it. It's, it's not going to be recorded, but we are going to try doing a Facebook Live video section of it. So I'll tell you more about that if you join the Facebook group. Um, but Thursday, the 15th of December at 10.30pm, come along and see that. Please do come. I'm not advertising it anywhere else. Something I am advertising uh, elsewhere is Hell Week. No, it's not a week. It's only three days because I've got a baby. <laughs> I can't spare the time. But the plan was, a la Ronnie Cheng, to write all day, do a show, take notes from the show, write all day do the show again take notes from the show and do that for an entire week i've got three days of it together but i'm still calling it hell week because i like the name that is also at the new angel comedy club at the bill murray 39 queen's head street blah 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 uh, and that is on the 20 something why isn't it in front of me of november the 20 i'm going to japan man no wonder i'm all over the place how exciting is that the 27th i knew it was the 27th that's a sunday the 27th of november also monday the 28th and tuesday the 29th but get uh, on my stuart goldsmith comedian fan page for details about that because i, t I tell you why 
I consider that I've booked all three of those nights at 7 p.m. I check the Angel website and I'm not sure it totally agrees. So in the interim, check on my Facebook page first and uh, and on my or, or comedianscomedian.com. I'll put some blurb on there as well. That is going to be me crunching together the new show because if I can bloody make this work, if I can go right, there we are. You write really hard for a week, do the show every night for a week, fail, fail again, fail better, then uh, then this could revolutionise the way I'm doing it. And I'll tell you more about this in The Waffle, but I've written some of this stuff already, and it's been working. And I think it's because I took two months off after Edinburgh, two months off writing, writing. And so I had loads more ideas, and now I'm like, I'm really enjoying writing this show in a way that I never have before. So it's an experimental concept, except I've slightly cheated, and some of the stuff is already quite good. How's that? It's all free anyway, and you can book for a fiver online at Angel Comedy, but I'll give you all the links if you go to the, the Facebook page or the website. So that's all of that. It was quite chatty, wasn't it? But I think it's worth it. Let's get back to the brilliant Tony Law. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So before we move on from the the <laughs> the soupy past, <laughs> I just want to I I want to get a sense of whether this is like you are completely cleaned up for good now yeah. and how confident you are in that because presumably in the past was it have there been cyclical kind of times have you kind of well, done that binge and purge thing that, that no no because I'm, no I never that was more lightweight kind of. Um, no, I stopped twice. Once, um, before I met my wife, she met me sober. I eh? talk about selling someone one thing and then, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I was two years then. Why did you stop that time? What was, what was the trigger point for you going? This is uh, just, uh, because the whole time I was drinking up till that point, I just knew I, I hated it. Really hated it. You put it and you pretend you're having fun and all. I just didn't. I couldn't figure out a way of being confident enough without it. And I just, I loathed that feeling of not being on the same playing field as people just in life, like not enjoying this coffee as much as some other people are. You know, like I couldn't bear it. And I would talk to myself about it all, all the time. And I thought, well, I'm never going to meet anyone wonderful and I'm never going to, you know, be my best self if I don't. And then I was in a van with Simon Munnery on the way to a gig and Simon Munnery said, you don't look very well, Tone. And I thought, well, there's a good cue. If Simon Munnery thinks you don't look well, I really respect him and love him. So that was my cue. And then I did a, did pretty good, but it was a different kind of getting sober. It was a kind of um, a will. So it wasn't making any changes. It was always thinking about booze and, no, oh, I'm strong. I won't have booze. But it was always following me around. Yes, it was like deciding not to have something just, you wanted. Yeah, like showing I'm strong and look at my willpower. Yeah. But I still wanted it. 
And then it's. And did you did you have a sense at that point of of like the the young hilarious kid that you've described the funniest one of all your yeah friends. he started how to did come he back. kind of end up he came back looking and he at never... himself going oh I'm really unhappy with the amount I'm drinking that's quite a weird he kind sort of... of came back yeah he came back because he was always putting on a good show though when he was in that the window of drinking so he was still yeah. being I developed this whole way of fooling myself and people around me that saying look how much fun I am. And the more fun think, I am, the more people would just ignore it. Do you think, looking back now, you were fooling people around you? Or no, you, no, not my you, wife. Well, uh, you know, other yeah. comics say, or, you know, bookers. Uh, or, well, do, I think do some think people, people who don't really care because you don't see them that much. Sure. But I think there was an overall sense uh, of can't really trust him. Can't really, you know, like, uh, also, there was lots of people who just really loved me and liked me as a person and thought I had untapped talent. and And then... Just thought, well, no, you know, he's, we can't really, he, he doesn't have the, the, the trustness, like not, nothing officially or, or you just sense it on people. Uh, but then so that's you, why, kind of why you, I started drinking sense, again. You sense what on people that they, that they believed in you, but they didn't trust you enough to. Em- yeah. Well, or people felt let down, I think maybe, you know, and, uh, when I, slowly started letting booze back in it was because of uh what the excuse was is i would tell myself a i could handle it and then b uh, my career's not working out the way i wanted and i always find an excuse and then for the kids because i had we wanted to get pregnant and then we wanted to have kids that was easy to put to just go for a higher good yeah, and then, but, but again, it was like it was a higher good based on you denying yourself something you actually did yes. want. Yes, and uh, weirdly, the gig started going really. That's when I developed getting a following, you yeah. know, and I didn't really give myself enough credit for, oh, yeah, you're really good, actually, when you're like that. You're much better, uh, you know, because I'd still say, yeah, but when I'm drunk, I can riff better. And my wife says, no, that's absolutely bullshit. You couldn't, you would repeat yourself. And even when you, uh, but this, so I wanted to jump through to the difference between it this time is um, mental illness came along with it this time. And that's what really terrified me. And there's nothing that can, that changes your, you know, like some people get a health scare mm-hmm. and I physically, I just thought I'm absolute like a tank. It's just not. Didn't have any liver issues, no gout. <laughs> Actually, I had gout once when I was 21, in, and I lived in uh, Austria. But that was too much Jägermeister in the morning. Oh. That was a culture where we just drank all the time, and I was I was really good at that. Anyways, oh. <laughs> there's going to be a great book when I... If you can remember it, can you yeah. remember all the... I can remember the, lots and lots of things. Yeah. I was going to, I was about to say, this is telling, I was about to say, can you remember all the, and I was going to say adventures, <laughs> as if there is somehow something heroic about drinking Jägermeister yeah, yeah, in the yeah, morning. Yeah, no, it's all... It's easy to convince yourself, isn't it, that it's like, yeah. it, this is a fun Can life. you remember all that? Yeah, uh, I can, but I'm not ready to go back on all that stuff too, because I get sad, you know, at the, it's, I get really sad, not only the... Family, personal stuff. That's uh, you know, obvious and another thing. But no, also the um, the waste of talent and waste of uh, years, you know. Um, yeah, years, this, years spent performing, thinking you were riffing really well on things. Yeah, booms, and wasting and, what, and it's not, yeah, not being anywhere near my p- 
potential apart from that window back then and now i don't think i'm quite there yet but i'm getting there and i can see it and and uh i don't want to waste any time but it was the it was the the uh psychosis and the parent you know and all the mental stuff that came with the final year year and a half before i stopped and also the being able to even in that state see the damage i was doing to people around me the disappointment and the and then seeing these children and this wife and seeing, you know, finally going, oh, my God, I'm really lucky. It was basically beating back all the lies. And then that was one thing. And then you say, I'm never going to drink again. But then came the next bit, which is probably the harder bit, which is the building yourself up bit and going, all right, I'm not inter- I don't know who who I am. And then then that slowly comes up and you get to decide, you know, you get to say, well, I, I think I get off on being uh kind so make sure i do four kind things that day for people uh uh, just tiny things and not taking that for granted making sure i do and then i go oh phew i feel pretty good tonight i can have a good sleep i'm gonna do something nice tomorrow make sure i do something nice here and there and then slowly slowly uh uh, fixing it and then that really translates in comedy but that's the, the the stage fright keeps creeping in though, right? In the, I never show it. It looks like I'm relaxed, but it manifests itself in uh, slowing down. <laughs> well, it mani- like when you're scared, you slow down. Or yeah. When you're not scared, you slow. Yeah, slowing down, or is one way, and then the other way is uh, talking too fast and showing insecurity. Which my character's kind of a high status. He comes across as dumb and crazy. But he's a leader. But he's a leader. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like breaking character. So I, but. Sorry, what, I'm, just, I'm re- can you be specific about that? What, when you slow down, it's because of stage fright and that doesn't suit your character. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or speed up too much. Yeah. Uh, and when I can relax and slow down, but in the different way of slowing down where for dramatic purposes. So I think probably I created that slowing down as if I'm about to do something thoughtful and take it a different direction. It's a bit elliptical, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever anyone comes on this show and talks in detail about psychological problems, like Seymour Mace came on the show and talked in depth about his depression and how hard yeah. it is to keep going under those terms. And I, I, I get this... I, I suppose some people are more candid about it than others. And whenever yeah. anyone talks in detail about it, I get loads of emails, and I'm sure that person gets loads of emails and contact from other people going, thank you. Oh, really? Thanks for talking about this. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we see, particularly someone like you, who I think your your fans within comedy, people who've seen you do comedy, just love you. Yeah, you might you might divide the room. There may be some people that don't yeah. get it sometimes, you know, but that just makes the people who are getting it love yeah, it. Yeah, I, f- I feel intimidated by that, you know? Like, um, uh, I remember, why well, I, I, you know, it's not the reason, but I remember feeling after 2011, 12, things started to really snowball and going really well. I, I never felt, I felt really awkward when... Th- when it was starting to go really well, I just didn't feel like I deserved it or really? that, 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 I, that, um, uh, like I just felt overwhelmed when people would be like, Oh, I just think, Oh, if I, like I'd been selling them a lie or something. I don't know. Go on, it intimidated me. I didn't feel deserving. I know that sounds so, 
so uh, self-indulgent, which I am. I'm a very selfish person. This Who is, the, this is but, the, but, the place but, for self-indulgence. But I used to here. not feel worthy of success. And then, uh, but... That's really interesting. Most people who've been going a long time through different iterations of their persona or in the way that you have, you know, that big change from the kind of, you know, Americana trouser turn oh, up. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that, the different Tonys that we've seen. Yeah. Um, I, I would think that most people who, when it seems like it's finally starting to work, it's gathering yeah. momentum, most people would think, finally, yeah. I've deserved this the whole time. Yeah, and, I, and uh, there was a sense of that at first. And I could feel it all coming in. You know, you can just feel it. And it was bubbling. And then it scared me. You know, what was, what was scary about it? I don't know. It's like you can't really put your finger on it. Genuinely. Just sort of a bit like... Like uh, suddenly you've got something to lose now? Was yeah, yes, it? there it is. Yeah, it's all about that. It's fear of loss. Which is weird. I've never really... I lost my best friend when I was 11. But I mean... That's nothing. <laughs> I mean, this is... You're only 11. If, you don't know this nothing. Was, if this was real psychology as opposed to armchair psychology, yeah. I would be making a real note. Because I think if someone goes, oh, I've had all these problems with alcoholism and all sorts of stuff. I've no idea what it is. I mean, obviously I lost my best friend when I was 11, but it can't have been that. You go, okay. No, no, no. Don't be a... You know, yeah, I don't want to be a whiner. Um, you... What? And then my, how, how would that make you a whiner uh, yeah, no, if I you suffered know. an emotional tragedy My dad was very distant <laughs> yeah that's a valid thing yeah, people's but, dads are often very distant yeah, you know. and it affects them yeah yeah sure it's all that all that and just uh, uh, uh and also probably a chip on the shoulder coming from a farm and all that bit chippy what and bit, I know, like I didn't just, go to I university know many people from farms what, yeah, what's the just, chip you're talking well, about well you always you always have chip with townies okay. and your small town has a chip with the bigger towns and then you have a chip with someone from the city but when you move to London, you can like, I'm in London now. You, man. <laughs> There's an element of that, probably. Always feeling like you're from a middle of nowhere and that's where you belong, kind of. Okay. But this, so this time I know absolutely because of a realization and also just a terror of, wow, this is, um, this is the only life. This is the only crack at it. No more wasting time. So that I know for, without question, I hate the thought of booze. I can't even think about it, which is, I, I just wish that had happened a lot sooner. It's so visceral and real. And my wife can tell. That's what I know. She just reads me. You talked a lot about your wife on the on the last episode. She was in the audience. Yeah. And uh, you talked a lot about the ways in which she would challenge you creatively. That you yeah. made this commitment together to changing your process. You went, right, I've got kids now. I've got to yeah. knuckle down. Yeah. And you talked a lot about how... You gave a really well. By the time we got into the second half of the interview where we kind of penetrated through some of the, uh, yeah, yeah. Some of the bubbly stuff... Um, we were talking, I thought it was really interesting. We were talking about how you, you gave this example of you'd meet in a cafe and go, right, we're working now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd say, okay, the show begins with space. And she'd go, why? And you'd yeah. say, well, because it's fear of loss. And she'd say, loss of what? And you go, you guys, yeah, my yeah. children, my family. Do you know what I mean? And she yeah. was challenging you to... Yeah. To, and I thought that was really interesting that you were... And being, then, and then, yeah... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I just thought it was interesting that you were being challenged to come up with almost the the meaning behind the madness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 
Um, then, but then she stopped coming to any shows or having any involvement uh, around end of 13, 14, 15, because she said, um, and politely, I'm only, I'm just cutting it down. But basically, it was that she found it too, some bits too sherry, some bits not enough work gone into it, some bits too uh, needy, other bits just nothing behind it. Uh, she just couldn't bear to see it. So she stopped going and, and helping me. How did that feel? I didn't really notice. I just, uh, pff, I just blamed it on her. Lame, you know. Uh, it's only only since... And so I was doing those shows on my own. It's only since the last... And this last... Since I've been sober, year and two months or whatever, all I, I've... Now, I now use what she did with me on my own because I'm not... I'm too. I'm much more in control now, or I'm a bit of a tyrant. So I wouldn't. I, I use those tools already, and she's busy doing uh, everything she's doing, parenting and all the important stuff with kids that need a lot, you know. And um, and I I just feel more like a man, like confident that I can do my. And I'll go to her if. Uh, what do you think of this? Do you think, uh, say you were a painter and that was a painting. What, what, what does it, what does that mean? And then, but I go to her from a position of, uh, confidence and normal, normal guyness rather than help me along. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel when you, when you're saying a position of guyness, so that sort of has echoes of what you said earlier on about like, needing to show your children that you're a man, that you're a, a, a functional, <laughs> yeah. you know, a kind yeah, of a yeah. role model that you can yeah. protect them, you can look after. You need to show yeah. them that. Probably in a way that you don't need to show a toddler that so much because yeah. a toddler just gets on with it. Yeah. By the time you're... Children, you're already you know, showing it by changing nappies. And yeah. I yeah, was yeah. very proud. I used to... I had such a sense of purpose. My wife's always told me that she really, like, the sexiest I've ever been was the first year and a half of them being babies because... I used to pride myself on changing both of their nappies at the same time. Like I would really just like speed in it and then really get the cream on right. And, and I just used to take such pride. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So now I've, I feel like that again, but more, uh, somehow. I forgot what I was saying. And you, I was talking about um, the difference in, or, or, or I'm just kind of picking up on this idea of wanting to be a man and show them that you are a protector, show them that you're on the case, show them you can, yeah, you can do it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I actually believe, and I can. So, and so I don't feel, the, to, I don't feel the need to hide anymore. You know, behind excuses and, oh, you know, I don't know if I. Doing it right, my stuff, nobody gets it. Or, or you know, I never allow any of that anymore. If it, if it if a gig goes bad, I first of all work out what I've done wrong, and then work out how I can fix that, and then and then just uh, uh, confident enough to go, I'm not as bad as a bad gig. Yep. Whereas before, that used to just crush me. A bad gig would just finish me off, and then I would drink my way out of it, and I'd be all right again. But now I just I don't even feel that. I could go and do a gig in a terrible environment that's not right. And instead of complaining about it or worrying about it, just do it. Do it the best I can. And and, and thinking, ah, if anyone can pull this pointless gig in the middle of a foyer, it's me. And then I, I'll give it a go. And when, with that sort of honesty, 
you sometimes can and you just go oh freaking hell that's that was great good work or if it goes terrible and you get someone going you you know whatever afterwards is well they don't know that's all they've had to go on so you know they don't know that i have a following of people who think i'm really clever (laughs) (laughs) and and how would they know so you know a bit like if someone uh would have been rude to me in the queue of something before i'd make a big deal out of it and now i'd rather well you know they're having a bad day who knows and then and that's such a great way to go to carry on as a you know not waste time i'm into not wasting time do you do you still or do you do you feel any kind of remnants of that feeling of i don't deserve this success no, no, now now it's completely switched. Whereas I think, no, oh no, I really messed it up. What an idiot. I, w- I could have had some money now. So it's, now it's more of a panic and anger at my old self. Not anyone else, but myself just thinking, you dick. So I'm. It's do, you like, fi- do you feel then that you, when you got the, uh, when it all started to happen, I was going to say the nomination or the award? Did you win the award? I, don't I won know. some chortles. Fine, <laughs> fine, fine. But you were nominated for yeah, the, yeah, the big, yeah. you know, big. I should have been back every year for four years in a row getting nominated instead of letting it slip. I'm angry at myself because I had, that's your leg in. As soon as you get a nomination, it's your foot in. They're always going to keep an eye on you then. But you you let that go. Then uh, you do you know. feel you let it go? It's interesting because I don't. I didn't see your last show, but I kind of. Uh, I you know you got. I was like, oh, Tony's away. I think that was the feeling on the circuit. I think that I felt that that was still the feeling on the circuit. Like Tony's going for it. It's 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 going off. I was still going, uh, but the shows were. I I don't know. It's 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 kind of. Um, uh, nebulous. It's like it, it's just like a feeling. So for me, uh, I was still doing the shows and people were finding something in it, but I wasn't brilliant. I was doing pretty good. It's like you get the nomination, now is the time to open up the throttle and be yeah, brilliant. Yeah, really. And I wasn't as good. I mean, I was doing some big shows at like the Utterbelly Cow on the, on the, on the river. And I, and I was still getting, you know, I was still being shit hot some gigs and that's what's maintained a following i think but i was also not being as shit hot every single time you kind of i i feel like there was a sort of a nail varnish scarf period where you kind of went oh i'm weird am i uh, yeah, Let, yeah, yeah. i'm gonna be really weird then and yeah, I, I, but it was the wrong kind of weirdness because my real weirdness is actually wearing a flight suit or something or uh it's not even weird it's just i like wearing Things that 15-year-old children are into. Or a gauntlet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are the things I uh, like, rather than fashion-y. So was that kind of fashion-y weirdness, was that kind of an attempt to protect yourself? Because you were like, well, if I'm really weird, then no one can judge well, me. It was a mixture of all these things. But, I mean, part of a genuine wanting to have a, a look and finding yeah. it interesting that... To, to add some layers to my stand-up. I, always, we, I tried to talk to you about this before in the, in the previous uh, interview that we did. I don't know that I, I kind of quite got to what I wanted, which was I think it's very brave is a, the wrong word, but I think it must have <laughs> been a challenge to go from... Like, you've had styles. Yeah, and yeah. I always think whenever... Because I don't have a style. I'm literally a guy in jeans. <laughs> literally jeans and a t-shirt. And, uh, and that's important to me because I believe... No, no, I'm, I'm just one of the people in the room. It's just I'm standing up at the moment. Yeah. You know? 
Um, and I'm the more I talked, I talked to Tim Minchin recently, and he was talking about his kind of a really overt, almost yeah. calculated look. Yeah. Which bang, you get them, and then later on you can let them into the fact that you're just one of them. Yeah, I everyone else. And I'm like, no shit, I yeah. wish I'd thought of that. But it, it's it is courageous artistically, I think, to go from I look like this, yeah. and I am now going to look different. Yeah. And and all the people who saw me before, surely I'd be thinking I was trying to be David all- Bowie in my own little way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Did you? Was, was there an element of fear of kind of going? Some people will know that I've kind of thrown yeah. this together because uh, they they remember what I looked like before. No, 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 not at all. Because that that uh, I put thought into that look too. So the the fifties quiff yes. thing uh, that was all calculated. Uh, all, all of it's been calculated to to be uh, memorable, and also I really, um, especially when I was. Uh, I like to, if if you get a new costume, it usually generates material you never would have thought of doing. Yeah. So it, it um, created a real interest in Vikings and pirates in me back for a couple of years because that's what I was getting from people. So I, I really learned a lot about Vikings and pirates. Just on the, on, just to stay with that subject for a second, getting material, like starting points for material. What other sorts of ways do you generate starting points? Well, nowadays it's completely different than the old days. In the old days, it was just see what happens. And I didn't really... um, But now, actually, a little bit of it then. But mainly now it's uh, reading into whatever I'm interested in and then going down rabbit holes on Wikipedia. Because I love history still. That's always been my constant. Isn't it interesting, though? I have less interest in football since I've been sober, which I used to think <laughs> I really liked it. And I wonder, uh, it oh, just feels such a waste of time and so limiting. Oh, this, if this you, sport that I get together and drink with other people when I yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it wasn't so exciting after. I learned how to do good London accents uh, from those years. Okay. Um uh, so, history. Yeah, history. So, so uh, yeah, just getting into something like that and then just going for it. But also, I've ch- I'm trying to... I'm doing loads of different things now. I'm listening to DVDs of people I find in petrol stations, always petrol stations, to just just open my mind up or get a audio book of something I'd never... Like, um, uh, I got... And I, I buy all the um, recommended things from the old woman's hours and, and I just try... Yeah, that, uh, lavender that, and that, that's, that's, just, that's that's a great idea for a, a radio pitch is old woman's hour <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the, all the, yeah. the, the old you know uh ones from a while ago um and then because i drive so much now and that's where i get a lot of kind of therapy and my dog is a huge huge dog who needs he's so big and powerful and wonderful that he deserves a lot of effort like he deserves two and a half hours in the park every day because he's an athlete a cuddly one but two and a half hours in the park a day yeah. i don't know about dogs that sounds yeah a lot. he's a big german shepherd i got him he was the best bad decision it was my last bad decision i need a dog and and, and all of a sudden oh god yeah there you are and so he <laughs> so we drive a lot together and we listen to radio for pretty much 24 hours of the day we just it's it's definitely therapy both the walking the driving and the radio for just need it every day can't do a day without it so 
hotel rooms when you do gigs on tour it used to be just uh, just watch the tv or not turn it on now i have to have radio 4 on wherever i go it's like a crutch and i don't need to be listening to exactly what they're saying um but it's reassuring to very have. just comfortable comforting and and uh wolfie likes it i'm i'm sure he loves it <laughs> i don't i don't think he liked the uh who named the dog uh well i did yeah, because I, I pretend that the kids did. <laughs> Wolfie. Oh, yes. So he's an absolute world-class dog. And we've made him into the softest, <laughs> cuddliest German Shepherd on earth. He's just such a nice boy. But you can make your dog. It's definitely a lot of nurture goes into their personalities. Um, so, uh, and I've been going to gigs early and watching other comedians um not going to big gigs where you pay 30 quid i can't do that i i would to sean Locke though unbelievable yes yeah. he's really alternative he's like all of us good guys out there <laughs> he is but big yeah it's just yeah i i totally agree sean Locke is one of my favorite so good comedians. and yeah. uh and that's inspiring. And then I go to the woods and I, I take pals to the woods. Like I took Lloyd Langford to the woods the other day. And, oh, yeah. And just walking, he goes, have you used that? Have you used that? Uh, just from bantering. <laughs> have you used that? So I got a few, have you used that? So wrote it down. Um, and I guess just simply being more alert and aware. And watching comedy to get a feel for what people are talking about. Um, Dylan Moran had a good conversation with me about like what, you know, really respecting the audience more putting more thought into the audience which i never really did enough i actually think what what are my guys into what what's going on in their lives trying to learn and uh that was dylan moran reminded me you know like don't be selfish tell you you know you're a doctor and you know you got a job you got a point to your job you got to and uh, all that stuff i never well, how really do you mean considered. you're a doctor what well he says you you know to have respect for what you do that's what I never really thought about that. And to feel less it. like you're getting away with something and more like yeah, you're more like a professional you've got something guy. people need. Yeah, they <clears throat> that what you do. If someone decides they like you, you know, you kind of owe it to them to take it seriously and that sort of thing, Talk rather than just kind of oh, I'm just getting. Yeah, and it must be it must be seductive though because I think when you have spent such a long time going, oh, you know, kind of yeah. like sort of easing your way in and talking, you know, yeah. changing up the paradigm. Oh, whatever happens, happens, man. Exactly. <laughs> and then you do get a certain amount of success from that. Yeah. That must be very seductive. Yeah, very difficult to then go, nope, got to work. Yeah. I don't know. And I, but I, the, any success I got was due to working because it came from that period. And then I coasted on it or something and then got afraid. But, yeah, and that, so that that was nice of Dylan. He was really kind. I've never met him before. He he sought me out to speak to me. I thought that was I was like wow. It's like awesome. a, he's like a legendary older brother who we've never met, and he wanted to give me some guidance on the path. It was it was quite moving actually. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, he said I was like Oblix. I fell into the potion. <laughs> but, but but he's much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I feel like I've betrayed him now, but but, uh, but I don't think that's such a bad thing to have no, right. betrayed someone over. It was just wonderful that he took the time or interest to just. 
Do you take me aside? Like, do you have? And you may not. This might be a total non-starter. But do you have the equivalent of that relationship in the other direction? Is there any? Are there any kind of newer acts that you've done something similar to or for? Um, not I. Th- lots. I think I'm pretty nice to lots, or, and I, I'm very fond of uh, just in general. I like younger people anyway, so that's lucky. I don't know. Either very old people or very young people seem to be my... I'm very good friends with Luke Roberts because he's very different background from me. And yeah. I don't know, but yet our minds meet very neatly in the middle. So I enjoy him. I don't think that I give him any advice or anything. I think I take more. I think I'm more of a taker. I'd like to think one day I'd be able to uh, to poetically extol it. Is that the right word? Estol- advice? Extol? Extol? Yeah, that's it. To someone, and I think it, um, who there must be more. <laughs> um, and I, I really like going to like um, gigs that's run by this sort of generation of people who've been abandoned by Brexit. You know, I feel like there's a lot of energy there, and you know what I mean. Well, my wife's grandfather apparently he was like that as well. He had this. Well, you know, young people, it's more energy, more like he didn't like how people got conservative or that's definitely, uh, I just like them. Are you doing anything clever marketing wise? Not yet, but I'm just starting. A student who's always been a fan has taken an interest, wants to help me. And I, and, um, just also, also basically said very straightforward you're wasting your whatever it is you're doing. You just, it's a waste and it's a shame. You should be capitalizing on this and this and this and this. And I'm going brilliant. And I like, I don't even have a laptop. I've got like a phone. So he's helping me. We went on a tour of uh, the YouTube facilities today and I've got just silly little short film ideas and make series of them. And so I'm learning how to do that. So it's all sort of beginning now. Everything is being reborn now. And I have this sense of, oh, I wish I could make it up to that person, you know, like somebody from some TV channel or something singing your praises and then you kind of let them down. Maybe I feel like going, hey, guys. Yeah. But not out of desperation, really free of any of that. Will you have to work harder to win them back? I I think it's so. I think so. I mean, especially if you did do that period of. Uh, like sobriety before. Yeah. Did, Ooh, did, did yeah, people yeah. give you chances there and then you... Probably. Yeah. So that, yeah. that that will be... I mean, that's the shame of it, isn't it? Of any addiction is that it, uh, you carry that shit around with you. But um, I think people can tell the difference between a guy uh, on a mission. You get, you know, because I think that sobriety at that phase was very different. I was still a needy kind of guy. Rather than, um, I think you can sort of sense the difference. And I, and also, even at that time, I was still not reaching the levels of that I needed to. Anyway, so yeah, definitely. I think that's the shame of it, but that's the way of all, all of those things, isn't it? It is that extra level. So it's like going into a job, like relaunching yourself, re- Says, you know, look at how healthy I am. It, it's not like going into a job where it's fresh and you get to start with in the desk and everything. It's like taking over a job from the last guy who left a fucking mess and he was really 
you know, people loved him at the at at the office, but he let a lot of people down. And he had the same name as you, same which name, is going to be very he, difficult. He looked, your head, yeah, he yeah. looked like me. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you can shave all you want, <laughs> but people can see underneath that beard. That's why I shaved. Really? It's my new yep. me. I didn't want people to always say, what happened to the beard? And I don't want to go, because I don't want to be that guy no more. Yeah. And I shaved it. And uh, it's taken me a while to actually believe that this face is as funny. Because, I mean, the way my whiskers, I've got a really fat upper lip. And this is true. The whiskers used to shoot upwards into a smile. So my neutral face, even if I wasn't smiling, was yeah, smiling. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I and that makes a huge difference. Tiny things like that. There's so you much know, in it. I didn't even notice that you didn't have a beard anymore because in my mind, you're always Tony from the 50s period. Yeah. Oh, you know I mean? yes, yeah, yeah, so yeah. You're from the first phase. Absolutely. Yeah. So nice. when you got into the Zephyr phase, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. the Lord of the Wind, yeah. I was like, okay, that's Tony's thing. I'm not sure if yeah. I like it. It's when you like when your dad grows a beard and you're like, no, no, don't, don't yeah, really yeah, that, that, that's not Tony. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Some people want the beard back. Daughter wants the beard back, but yeah. But uh, daddy's not, no, I just have to shave more often because otherwise you're too spiky for kisses. So when you, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. When you, I have a baby. And, yeah, I know. Uh, Congratulations. I, yeah, he's, uh, I've got to be careful. You've got to shave her up. Because otherwise Either you have a I big soft him, beard. He gets all yeah. unhappy and I've hurt him. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You got to have a big soft beard or, or keep her shaved. Yeah. Oh, razors. So when you say, when you said just then that you have had concern, I'm not exactly sure what words you used, but like you were worried that your face isn't as funny. Yeah. Like that's, that's that, true, like a genuine thing. Yeah, thought. that yeah. to me sounds like a sort of a, a, a general feeling of, hey, the, the guy I was before was, was pretty wild and anything could happen. And now you need to try and get that wildness and those brilliant moments without access to magic well not so much that actually no because i I don't look at him as being i it's different the way i look at him now is a sad person who's pretending to be happy and having fun and a weak person who was nowhere near his potential like you know where i would get my potential and would be on have i got news for you or uh or buzzcocks, I remember, because I felt so relaxed and people accepted me and there was no preparation. Uh, so my fear of uh, writing crisp stuff, which I don't have anymore, was, wasn't was it. So I was free to you go, don't have look crisp- at all these people looking at me and I'm in the middle of a, and they're bringing me drinks, coffees, anything I want. And they're looking after me. I get a car home at the end of the night. Woohoo! It's the greatest time of my life. And even then, though, I would, I look back and think, damn it, I would have, I would be a thousand times better if I did that tomorrow, if I did have a good news for you, than I was maybe not sleeping for a few days. Yeah. And, but not being out partying, maybe the odd time find myself somewhere, but mainly kind of secretively just awake. Oh, anyway, it's so complex. And so, so I look back at him and I just think, oh, dude. No way, man. And I've put on a lot of weight now, and I look back and I think, oh, yeah, he was thin, but I'd rather be a, a, a fatty and and a cool fatty. Like, my brother's a bit fat, but he's also really, he's just a powerful presence. He's cool, and he lo- he'd do anything for his family, and he's just a rock, and I feel like I'm growing into that sort of person. That's like nice. a cool dude that my wife will find hot all the time just from doing the right thing by your son or just being the right doing good parenting really is 
really feeds into, you know, uh, fixing a problem or listening to one of their problems the right way can make, really lift your self-esteem. Do you have a different way of, like, I would imagine that old Tony had a certain toolkit of hmm. getting them on board when they're not going for it. Those yeah. kind of like yeah, comedy, yeah. you know, the things in your in your toolkit where you're like, yeah. oh shit, they, they didn't go for that last bit. Oh, I'm going to pull them back somehow. Yeah. Do do you find whatever that toolkit was that you have a different one now? Um. Yeah, because the toolkit was getting empty. Um. No, I, uh, now it's more... No, I don't have that toolkit yet, uh, anymore. So I don't think. It's similar, like shouting. But back then, you see, I would rely on a bit that I knew was short and concise from another show. Uh, you know, the elephant's bit. I'd always pull yep. that out. <laughs> um, but that's... <laughs> Your idea of a short well, no. and concise bit. Yeah. The yeah. elephant's bit. <laughs> but, I couldn't, but now I can't remember anything old. It's like I'm really on year zero or year one. I mean, this is like AD one or... Uh, so I can't really go into the old stuff. Like I can go back over the notebooks and I go, oh, damn it. I've really... I've only left a sentence for a whole bit. I've, oh. You can't remember the bit. No. Um, Do you want to? I mean, this this podcast would be an easy way to crowdsource people emailing you bootleg. Oh no! Please <laughs> don't. No, I, I can't watch myself from those days. I watch anything from like last night or next week. Yeah, uh, I'll watch any of that because I. I, I because I could say something dumb or make a mistake or do something that's not funny and it wouldn't bother me. I just go, oh yeah, better fix that. Um, now I feel like I can. I can go on. Like the other day, I thought, when I'm feeling really confident, I like I went and um, this is going to sound like such a prick, but um, I just wanted to see if I thought, I was feeling funny, and um, I was funny around the house, and I was funny with my mother-in-law, and I, I, I just felt funny all the way to Old Rope. And I thought, if I'm feeling funny, I wonder if I just played stack on my phone, I could get laughs. Because my bones felt funny, and I wonder if it came across. And I was getting laughs. I mean, they're really nice anyway. Yeah. But all I was doing was they were watching the concentration on stack. And if I was brave enough, I would have kept going. Yeah. Um, and I, I got big laughs on that. So I haven't had the courage to do that again somewhere. But yeah, there, was, there is something about when you're feeling funny. It oozes out of your pores, doesn't it? And then, But what I need to work on is when you're not feeling super funny how to still be give people what they deserve so finding a way to get in that space that's, that's the magic and that's yeah, where yeah. booze used Bullet, to help yeah. for a while it could get you into certain kind of j jolly f sometimes yeah and now you just gotta go I'm drinking a lot of diet coke i wonder if that's replacing anything <laughs> uh, an ice cream. I should have knocked that on the head a little bit too. Craving uh -huh. sugar in the middle of the night. Okay, ice cream, eating ice cream oh, in the car. That was a no, that was a good. Oh yeah, that, yeah. yeah, I did do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was me doing a, a, an actual bet from. Yeah, that was uh, like an observation about your life. Yeah, Here's I do me lots. sharing my soul. Yeah, and I don't feel resentment towards successful acts. I remember when I was drinking, I used to. I pretend I didn't, but I used to in my head. Just like, oh, God, I can't believe you did good. And um, I bought a Michael McIntyre CD, because, uh, you know, from Petrol Station. Brilliant. 
Very funny. Yeah, he's a really good that, comedian. He's really good. He's <laughs> really good. And he's got great accents. And I really, I do, I feel like it's very similar to kind of what I do in a way. Um, and I remember him when um, he, I remember the phase of him having to use coupons to survive. So, you know, I think, oh, good, good for him. Good, hardworking example. Stuart Lee was a good example about filling your day with ideas and writing. I learned that from him. Um, also a little cynicism, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, I was always finding a way to not make the job important um, back then. You were finding, I'm just going to think about that sentence, you were finding a way to not make the job important. Yeah, does that make sense at all? You mean in a in a way that you now think is negative, like you would yeah. find ways to not to, work. to just like yeah, I can do it. It's easy. Like not commit. Yeah, like uh, telling yourself uh, no. It's 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 better if I don't work actually because then it'll be more true. Yeah, a little somehow. bit of that. Yeah, a little bit yeah, of that yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. And um, well, it's always better when you do the work, even if it means um, uh, waking up. And you can't sleep, even if that means just reading or uh, not, not not comedy, just reading something. That that's work. Um, doing good parenting, like uh, watching something educational, uh, you know, like oh, that's all work. And then you tell, then the, then your confidence in what you do it builds up. You think, yeah, no, that's work. It's work. Everything's work. Uh, Chit chatting, work. Everything should be work. And what isn't work? Watching football. Um, yeah, I've sort of eliminated most of that stuff. I know. Trying, I try. I guess what I'm saying, trying to say, is trying to extract value from everything. So therefore, do, treating everything as valuable, uh, and then that sort of filters out. So everything you do and read and consume and and your actions. You, you want them to be of value in some little way. And so you end up just doing those things now, or I do now. It's all like a whole quest to be a good dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's, it's channel, re-channeling obsessions and stuff, isn't it? Into a positive way. <laughs> Are you still doing the therapy? Uh, no, not. Um, I felt like I had gone as far as I could with that one but i'm gonna start some more soon because it's a good it's quite good fun i like it (laughs) (laughs) i sometimes feel like i'm ripping the guy off because i'm really enjoying myself (laughs) yeah i i i uh i have to stop myself from getting laughs like when i did group stuff at a recovery place um (laughs) people i just i didn't realize how angry i was because this is a serious thing in people's lives and i was trying to get laughs yeah. And I really upset people. Didn't oh, know shit. it. Sorry, my laugh was misplaced. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was envisaging a situation where you're killing it. The I was therapy. killing it, you know, but then uh. it was slowly resentment built. So I regret that. But I learned so much from that. I learned about when not to do stuff. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but so also, there's also not deserving it. You know, I was thinking, oh, I don't deserve it. There's people with way more problems. But my wife says, no, 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 you, you, you need it. <laughs> you deserve it. Like, that's enough for me to go, oh, all right, then. You need to work on that there. 
So I'll probably do some more um, of that, but I don't want to, you don't want to do too much self-help, you know? Um, so no, not... I'd, I'd, like the list, I'd, like, I'd like the listener to know I nodded sagely at that point <laughs> yeah, because I, I'm concerned that my silence could be taken as there's no such thing as too much self-help. No, no, yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah, um, yeah, you don't want to do too much like up your own arseness because then that would change fundamentally my act too on some level. One, of the, one of the exciting things about your act is how much of the world there is in it. Yeah. You know, Vikings and World War yeah, Two yeah, and yeah. spiders and orca. And yeah. you know what I mean? There's a lot of, it's a very rich, yeah, you could, if you were to tramp- draw your act, you could really fill a page. You yeah, know? that's right. Yeah, I'm always hoping to keep it. I always see a blue background, light blue background, sky background, clouds, and then yeah, filling it full of colors and stuff and forests and uh, empires and maps. Love a map. Um, <laughs> and but my dog is the like. That's all I need for therapy. That oxytocin exchange when you hug him this is like oh. I am full. I hope you got as much from that hug as me. <laughs> and then he, he's just, I don't know what, it, you know, when you really sort of feel safe and happy and you think about your wife and you think about your kids, then the dog does something funny and you laugh. And it's really not that funny to anybody else. You know, like just he'll jump over a, a big tree, but he'll do it really fast with flair. And I'll be like, oh, ha, ha, ha. oh dear, that was... And you think, no, it wasn't funny. That's just joy. Ah, oh, that's joy. <laughs> that's what it is. That was, was a little bit of, of this, the old joy. I was thinking of this recently, trying to articulate to my friend what it's like having a baby. Now that I'm out of the, the first oh, couple of months yeah. that I found very difficult and mm. more, harder than I'd anticipated, it really <laughs> threw me off. And now there's so much joy. Yeah. And I found myself saying to my mate, I've just got this... You know, this feeling of like, what's what's the opposite of guilt? It's just the opposite of that. It's that I'm so used to the habit of walking around. I've talked about this in the waffly bit at the end of this show before. The, getting into the habit of, of worrying about stuff, getting the habit of concern yeah. and over self-concern. And then just going, there's an opportunity here to get into the habit of yeah. being really filled, of, filled with joy. Yeah. And consi- yeah, I, I love that feeling on the way, like... So- now, I mean, in the old days, I would, because I wasn't driving, and get into the hotel and I'd just more isolation, more alone. Um, now I just, I think I'll drive home and then give them back the hotel. Oh, you keep it. Don't worry. Or, well, if you got some petrol, you know, and dri- and then being giddy going, can't wait to get the kids up in the morning. Just can't wait. Oh, my God. That all, you have to feel confident in yourself to uh, to get to that, I think. Uh, rather than before, it wasn't that I didn't love my kids and want to be around. It's since I wasn't, you know, confident or worthy enough. If you're leather in it, you know, you always get worried if it's on your breath, yada yada. But now we just went, Wee! nope, safely, safely. You're an important person. <laughs> you're important to people. Yeah. Slower down. Oh, audiobook. Oh, um, what are we going to have today? Oh, Mozart, Symphony Number no. Twenty Five, in G Minor, and uh, yeah, I go from BBC th- uh, Three to Four back and forth. That's my favorite. Anyways, I I do go off track still. What was I talking about? Yeah, try and get the world in there for sure. Maps. I've got a little office now. It's it's in the sitting room, but I have a TV tray. Oh my God, I love that. And I sit with my TV tray and I got my notepad 
and I got my type my uh, keyboard that goes into an old iPad that is too full of stuff and so only runs like a Word document thing. And I sit there and I look at my books and stuff and uh, try and fill my head full of positive memories and uh, and then see what wormhole... Aren't we lucky to live in a time where we can just go, oh, like you would have dreamt... Like, like I need to know what Glenn Campbell was like in concert in 1973 singing Wichita Lineman. Do, 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 do. There it is. Oh, my God. And then an hour later, you find yourself watching a, a Sammy Davis Jr. being roasted by Dean Martin on a 1979 TV. I just going, oh, my God, they were funny then, too. Uh, it's like being it's like living inside of history. We're so we're so lucky, aren't we? This Internet. Business. <laughs> it's a hell of a thing. I always remember about ten years ago seeing Arge Barker saying at the comedy store saying, uh, "Don't quote me on this, but I think the internet's going to change the way we live." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember a guy in a conversation after I worked in this pub, and a guy who was a friend of someone. We always have drinks after, uh, saying talking about the internet. I remember that. I, so it makes me, I am so old. I don't feel bad about that. I'm really glad I am. You know, I've been to the Soviet Union. I'm a, I'm an interesting guy. I was there when I was 17. Um, and I went to this, we went on a school trip. We saved and worked and worked and worked and worked and saved up our money. And we had the right amount of grades. And we went and two of my nerdy slash cool dudes came with me. We went to Soviet freaking Union, man. Anyways, what was I talking? There was some um, sitting down, painting this guy blue with your uh, oh yeah, but computer, then filling all the things in your something head. else. Sitting in my office with my TV tray. Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell. We're so lucky to be living inside of history. Yeah, that kind of thing. What did I do that was interesting apart from go to the Soviet Union? Oh no, this is a block. I always get. I get these blocks. I hate it. And now I'm going to get obsessed on on. Well, tell me, it'll come. Yeah, go. It'll come back. Tell me the just to wrap up. We must. Okay. Uh, we must wrap up. But <laughs> tell me the what's the end of that that idea of you sitting there? You're noodling around on Wikipedia. You're looking at stuff, uh. filling your head up with stuff. What are you kind of tangibly writing? You've got a notebook there. Yeah. What's it? What's in your notebook? What does a page of that notebook look like? Um, are these uh, like? Are you writing starting points to then get on stage and improvise around? Uh, yeah, I used to do that more. Now I'm coming up with fully formed ideas. That's new for me. Okay, what's the? Give, uh, give us an idea from that. Bonobos. Um, I was just uh, stood at the back waiting to go on, and um, just thought to myself because I'm newly fat I talked about being newly fat yeah. and then I thought um I shouldn't be fat because I just lived for a year and rather than tackle my recovery straight on I lived for with the bonobos for a year and um but I forgot to take notes <laughs> something like that <laughs> and then I and then I that, that sort of growing into and then I, I took my dog I shouldn't have taken my dog because Bonobo's never seen a dog, and then this, he ate one, and I love him, but uh, you know. But then it goes into morality about like, if you love someone and they do something like eat a bonobo, it's, it really calls into question when does your love need to stop, and, and so it's kind of growing from that. And are you? And are you when you're writing those notes? Are you editing as you go, or are you just going? Let's just follow this and see where it following goes. it. Yeah, but this yeah this last few months starting to edit. 
uh, so my Edinburgh show, yeah, was really just, no. Uh, the, the thing that Storm used to do, my wife used to do in the good shows back when she was had faith, and she does again. But I'm the boss now. But um, yeah, she would say, "Why that? Do you need that? Oh, why is that there?" Really brave, and re- but I do that to myself now. Like, but I also embrace. Uh, Subject matter. I used to think, oh, I want to be original. Everything is, but there's nothing ever going to be truly, purely original, especially with this internet. <laughs> you know, there's everybody can know everything. Everybody, you know. So if I, I, I have actually written in, not this notebook, another one. Um, sink. I want to do something. Uh, just a whole list of just do something about the sink, uh, relationships. And I, I want to see what happens when I write stuff about that. No, you know, it doesn't have to be about your uh, semi-professional career as a trampolinist in the 1970s. Although I do love doing that. <laughs> and then trying to find ways to do fun accents. <laughs> uh, ice cream, underpants, doing a bit about underpants. Stack, oh, and, and always trying to find a way to do my airplane sounds. Yep. I do World War II airplane sounds. All the time. Can you give us one? That was a, a hurricane going by uh, about 100 meters away. <laughs> Enjoyed that immensely. Yeah, yeah. Finally, then. Okay. If you had to review yourself now, yeah, like your latest show, yeah, what would you, what would your review of it be? Um, I would give it a four and a half. So to me, it's a five, and to a lot of fans, it'll be a five. But I got to give it a four or a four and a half because I think there's still some left in the tank, um, which and you can't go to six. <laughs> Make a mockery of the whole pointless system. Yeah, exactly. But uh, no, I'd, I'd say four, but uh, sometimes five. Like when I get people crying with laughter, it's five. But I, I can't really judge art. No, I, I, but I'm better than I've been for a long time. But I've got to fix this obscurity thing. We're making too many routines that are just, you know, the reference points are just specific to me and five other people. <laughs> you know, I got to work on that. But when I get laughs off of those bits, I think, yeah, that was pretty good. When we last spoke, you talked about wanting to be mainstream. You yeah. talked about like the super comedy fans who go and see 25 shows a year. Yeah. They come and see you. You yeah. need to get the people who go and see one show. A year. Yeah, I'd like that. And I want to find a way to reach out to them and find them and, and get them to come along and see that like what Sean Locke does. He's probably changed the comedy scene a hell of a lot more than most, I bet. Because he's an audience has gone along and gone, wow, that was silly and clever and intricate and weird. Like, he does surprise you on a main, you know, big stage at a big theater. And you're going, oh, my God, well done. Harry Hill, too. He's pretty yeah. blown it up, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, I'm going to buy a Ross Noble one now that I've seen one. Oh, yeah. Ross yeah. sent me those as a kind of research before he came on the show. You could take one of those with you. I don't have a DVD player. Well, that Is it a CD? No I could put... Hey, it's their DVD, I'm afraid, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, this has been fun. Do I seem different from the last interview? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Do you think you I'm do. better like this? Yeah, I do. Yeah. 
I think. Well, so. I, I, you know, d- yeah, definitely. In, in all, in every <laughs> imagine respect. If, imagine if someone just. No, like, no, just I don't think no, so. No, I think you're better when you drink. Seems pretty sick. Oh, my I used God. to have that fear at first. Nobody's going to think I'm any fun. And uh, my wife and you were not fun at all, mostly. Yeah, right. But apart from little windows. You're very lucky to have that kind of window into your... Feeling uh, sorry for yourself 90% of the time and then going, Hello, stranger. Oh, I might entertain the waitress who has nothing to do with my family. (laughs) I'm going to entertain the guy at the petrol station there. (laughs) One One of the qualities that my partner has that I really value is she has got a really good memory. I've got almost no emotional memory. I can't remember how I was at any one time. Ah. So... The first day of Edinburgh this year, uh, just gone on like the second day, I was freaking out. The show wasn't ready. Yeah. I knew that it was problematic. I was up there with my baby for the first time. Oh. And I was going, oh my God, I could, we were going to meet some friends. And I said, like, I can't meet these friends. I don't have time. I've got to pointlessly <laughs> run around working on the show and freaking out. And she said, you remember you felt exactly this way on this day last year. And I went, I did mm. not remember that. Is that right? She said, yeah. yes, you did. And she, she said, we were standing there. You had yeah. to go into a phone box and have a little cry because yeah. you were freaking out. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, my, yeah, my wife was really worried about she, the different times I'd have mood swings uh, pre-Edinburgh. And then the, when we'd get to Edinburgh, and I remember there was a couple of times where I caught her looking over at me. And you could see her mind was clicking through going, hey. He's not being an asshole. Is he? Like, I, I've, what's, I really have noticed watching her learn to trust me and learn to go, oh, yeah, I like him. You know, like, you could see she'd panic and think, oh, God, he's going to be grumpy or moody or he's going to be uh, emotionally distanced or cut off his love, withdraw his love. You know, like that typical feely sorry for the... And, oh, he's not. I could see that. <laughs> oh, my God. But then, then hold back. Well, well I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to commit to my... Oh, look, he's done it again. He seems jolly all the time. Uh, uh, yeah, I could see that happening. Uh, panics are much less for me. But a bit, they're still there, though. Uh, but having your panic in advance is the best way to do it, isn't it? Uh-huh. Further in advance. That takes your empathy. Personal empathy? Empathize with yourself. So you can predict, I'm going to be terrified on day one at the festival. That's great that yeah. she told you. Yeah, yeah, I see, what you, you go, I see right. what you mean. Oh, that happens. Oh, that happens here, does it? Yeah. All oh, right. Well, I'll do that now. Dealt with that. Uh, will I be distant tonight? <laughs> yeah. That was me. Yeah. So Great. Oh, yeah. This I'm, is great. It's been great, Tony. Thanks, Thanks. man. I've really thank enjoyed you. talking to you. I'm really glad to see you being like this. Yeah, thank you. You're a kind man. Sorry I called you a prick all those years ago. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Tony. I'm so pleased to now have a, a record of Tony, of his practice, of how he works, of how he thinks, of where he's coming from and where he's going uh, as part of the podcast um, because it always, I, I, as soon as I found out that he was distressed about the first podcast appearance, because obviously at the time he was being very, very loose um, and seemed very happy with himself, as we often are when we are in our cups. 
Um, I'm very pleased now that there is a something of which I hope he can be proud. I, I'm really proud of that interview, and I think he is a superb comedian. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does next. Next up, I've got I've still got Gethard. Shall I put Gethard out? Carmen Lynch. Oh, what a wonderful comic. Yes, maybe we'll have Carmen next week and Gethard the one after that, and we'll then we've got Joe DeRosa, and then I've got to get some new episodes in. Who knows, man? So much, so so much comedians. Um, that is all that. Um, I will now conclude the show and talk to you about uh, uh, two <laughs> potentially boring sounding things. So I won't even name them. I'll chat to you about them uh, if you choose to stick around. But if not, thanks to Tony. Hashtag thanks, Daryl. Info at comedianscomedian.com if you'd like to get in touch. And you can always put PS, I'm a cool guy. If you would like to let me off the hook and give you a one word response that you know means that I have actually read and digested it. I'm just fucking busy. The show's going to be great, man. Come along to Hell Week, come along to Redacted, and do check out nextupcomedy.com. That concludes the podcast. I've got to open, I wasn't going to do this, but I've just got to open quickly by telling you I'm just apologising for my blocked up nose again, man. Autumnal hay fever, it's just absolute bullshit. I'm just so allergy stricken and I can hear myself and think, oh, all this wonderful legacy that I tell myself I'm creating by recording all these interviews, recording all the blurbs and the waffle and everything else. Um, just to, I can hear myself going, duh, 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 and, uh, you know, in tone as well as content. <laughs> and, uh, and how frustrating is that? So here's a thing that started off being dull and uh, has actually made me sort of quite hopeful. Um, I've been having a bit of a clear out. I've been having whatever the autumn equivalent of a spring clean is. And I'm going to clean all the pots and pans under the sink. And I've cleaned the wine rack. Just domestic stuff. Just the sort of domestic shit that I never used to get round to. Because I was always just zipping out and gigging and avoiding all of the domesticity of my life. And now I've been kind of rugby tackled to the floor. Very willingly. Um, and, uh, and, and kind of plugged into this new domestic existence where... You've got to, like, change bedsheets and stuff. I mean, I did before, but it wasn't, like, in a house, in, like, a homemaking situation. And when you're a parent, you can't fuck about. I've started doing the washing up last thing at night before I go to bed so that in the morning the kitchen is clean. Who am I? Who is this guy? But as soon as you get into that, you become Danish. My friend Dan Foreman is... uh, He was one of those guys that as soon as he became a dad, it was like, ah, you make sense now. (laughs) You've been a dad the whole time. And he's just one of those implacable washer-upper types. You know, I always thought it was because he did bar work. But, you know, someone like you're at a house party and someone's like, I'll get that all washed up and bang just does everything like a machine well that's how i'm living i'm doing things danishly now because you know i kicked and screamed i went no no when we were first living together me and my partner she'd go look just please just tidy up this is nicer and i go no man i want to i want to live i don't want to wash up i want to live <laughs> i, I want to do it all at the last possible moment so i can be stressed about it and live in a dirty house more often than not rock and roll and now i'm bloody washing up before i go to bed and i'm liking it Oh, my God. So, anyway, the the domesticity involved in <laughs> hoovering the wine rack. Ugh, dusting. I've been dusting. It's probably why the allergens have flared up. God, it probably is. Even, even in defiance of my own biochemistry, I'm tidying gleefully. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm sort of mentally clearing up. And it's good. I feel pretty, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty happy. And um, like I said, with the writing of the show, I mean, this is a really good argument for... I always used to come back in September and start writing after like a week. And then the last couple of years, I'd come back in September, have a, have a month off writing. I'd still gig, but I'd not write anything new. 
and then October I'd focus on podcast stuff and November I'd start writing and even that has sort of slipped because of the the Boutros and yet I made an unshakable commitment to myself I'm not going to write for these two months but every single time something strikes me as funny every thought I have I'm making a note and I'm getting up in the middle of the night and making a note and I'm pulling over to the side of the road and making a note or I'm voice dialing my answer phone and making a note on there and then getting it later I'm making notes and now I just feel like oh hello have I shifted up a gear again? I love that feeling. I've been doing some really good work. Sorry, Tamworth. Everywhere else, I've been doing some really good work. And, um, I've been, you know, Tamworth was fine. <laughs> but, uh, but it was, it, you know, it, uh, some gigs have been going, no, this, then this. Yes, that, that, that stuff. And some gigs have been going, way. So, um, so that is really satisfying to think that, hello, this Hell Week idea of, like, chuck it all out there, rough it all out, there we go, let's get in the studio. You know, I always used to love that when bands at the end of a... You listen to, like, a, a tour recording of a band that was obviously on the last tour. I think I'm specifically thinking, oh, God, sorry to admit this, Counting Crows. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? God, they... I was, a, I was a huge fan of them. It all went wrong. Anyway, at the end of one of their albums, they're like, okay, bye, we're, we're going to go back into the studio. <laughs> I love the idea. I was always jealous of a band's ability to go, we're just going to rock out, we're just going to gig, and then there comes a time of year where you go, I'm going back into the studio. And they got to do it with bloody friends. <laughs> you know, with collaborators. So... This is my point. I'm really excited to be back in the studio at the moment and uh, making stuff, feeling good about making stuff. And time will tell. I've got two open spots tonight. I'm doing Old Rope and I'm doing another one at somewhere north for Clara. And I don't know the name of it, so I can't advertise it. But it'll be I, I won't have, you know, my, it's too late now for you to run out and do it. because I'm pre-recording this. But, um, you know, we will see. Time will tell how much of this new autumnal joie de vivre will last uh, when it isn't after two or three really good gigs that involved a bit of new that was cooking. Um, but that's that's pretty good, guys. I was going to say something else about those pots and pans, but it eludes me for now. Um, so that's that. Uh, that's that for now. Was that interesting enough? <laughs> Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Do get in touch at ComComPod if you'd like. Um, or info at comedianscomedian.com. I feel like we should come up with some sort of Twitter game, but I've not planned it. Do you remember back in the day when we used to do all of that? Do you remember Beta K? I always thought that one should have won. Uh, there was a public vote and I stuck to it, but Beta K was definitely the best tribute comedian name. That was fun. Let's, um, can we have some suggestions for Twitter games? At ComComPod, tweet me some suggestions for comedy-themed hashtag based inventive games where we all get to make some stuff up that's to do with comedy you know remember there was like oh you could do like naming your i did one a couple of times it was like name your show if it was about war and the sea go what's your show title um that was fun should we just do one of those let's do one of those name your show uh your stand-up special if it is about the work of hr geiger you could look him up <laughs> the work of hr geiger and anxiety what's your fringe show going to be called let's hear them at comcompod on twitter and uh, you can give me a hashtag underscore horse uh, if you fancy saying hello that's all for now oh, i really enjoyed that episode man speak to you soon ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 